His hips are highly hypnotic, his riffs are truly timeless, and his voice is lively and full of feeling. Ultimately, his untimely death at 42 cemented his stratospheric skyrocket to stardom for centuries to come. For we can't help falling in love with him. Almost everyone can agree there haven't been quite as many artists as electrifying and eternal as Elvis. Well, we'll come to know this iconic king on this week's episode of FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. You got it. Hello, 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 and welcome to another exciting edition of FYI. Today we're going to look at an iconic figure, someone that you don't even need to see his face. You can just see his silhouette and you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, the king. Now let's not get mixed up here because we've got the king of pop, who came after obviously, Michael Jackson, and we've got the king of of rock and roll. And before we get started, I hate it when people ask me, are you a Beatles fan or an Elvis fan? And I say both. I like them both and for different reasons. So we'll find out a little bit about the Beatles and the Elvis connection because they met once but there are no pictures and there is no audio recording, so we'll have to take their word for it. But we're going to hear all about that a little bit later on. I just want to remind you guys that every week there's a bonus episode where I share tons of interesting things about the subject we're taking a look at. So if you want to have access to that bonus material, and when I say bonus material, you can get a bonus episode, you can have class classes with me every week where we review the episodes, we have monthly master classes, and more importantly, we have created an amazing community of English explorers. And if you want to find out more, you can go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. There are over a hundred of us learning English and laughing every week. In fact, I'll stop really quickly to send a shout out to all my patrons, especially my super-duper students, Candy, Catalina, Javier, Roberto, David, Jose Maria, Mila, Alex, and Edgar. And don't forget about my interstellar students, Lucas, Isa, Paco, Diego, and Carmen. You guys rock. Keep up the excellent work. I've seen each and every one of you make progress, so keep it up. And if you guys are interested in joining our curious community, well, just go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. Okay, where were we? ¿Te sabes esta? ¿Dónde estábamos? Where were we? Well, let's start with the intro, because as you know, I like to speak 
sprinkle some vocabulary in the intro. And I started off by saying his hips. I think you say hips are cadera in Spanish. Shakira has a very famous song that's my hips don't lie. No miente mi cadera. Well, his hips were highly hypnotic. I mean, one of his nicknames was Elvis the Pelvis. Then I said his riffs, which is a guitar riff, are truly timeless. That means you can listen to them in any generation and they are still awesome. And then I said his voice is lively, con mucha vida, and full of feeling. And that's one thing I think we can all agree on, whether you're an Elvis fan or not. The guy was really feeling it when he sang. And then I said ultimately, que es a lo largo, con el tiempo, ultimately, que no es ultima Ultimamente. Ultimamente in English is lately. It's one of those false friends. And beware of those false friends. So I said, ultimately, his untimely death. And an untimely death is when you die suddenly. It's not expected. His untimely death at 42. Remember, in English, we don't say with 42. So, you know, at 42. Well, this cemented his stratospheric skyrocket. And if something skyrockets, it goes up really quickly. And then I said to stardom. And stardom is being famous for centuries to come. And then I obviously quoted one of his songs. For we can't help falling in love. Well, thanks a lot, Elvis, for teaching us that structure. I can't help enjoying these podcasts. No puedo evitarlo. Remember, it's I can't help plus the gerund plus the ing. Or you can just say, I can't help it. No lo puedo evitar. And then I said, almost everyone can agree that there haven't been quite as many artists as electrifying and eternal as Elvis. And then I said, we'll come to know, llegar a conocer igual, this iconic king. So are you guys ready? Well, here we go. Where are we going to start? I think we should start at the beginning. Firstly, he wasn't born in Memphis, Tennessee. I know many people think that and many people associate him with Memphis, Tennessee. And it's true, he lived there, but he wasn't born there. He was born in your hair. <laughs> Tupelo? Tupelo? Oh, okay, really bad joke. Well, he was born in Tupelo, Mississippi. East Tupelo, to be exact. And he was born right after his twin. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a second. How is that possible? Because I didn't know Elvis had a twin. Well, unfortunately, his identical twin brother, Jesse, was stillborn. And to be stillborn means they die during birth. So 35 minutes later... Elvis 
Presley came out of the womb, and he was not in good health, neither was his mother. So some would say that it's a miracle that he even survived, because his brother, his identical twin brother Jesse, never did. And that also gave him a complex of sorts with his mother. His mother said, well, they took away my other child, so you're special. You've got it all, all the pressure, all eyes on you. And she gave it all to her son, and he obviously gave it back to her. As we know, Graceland was a gift to her. So we'll see the importance of that brother, that brother that he never had, that he lost at birth. We'll see that connection with his mother. These are reoccurring themes in his life. But this happened on January 8th, 1935. That's when Elvis Presley was born and the world would change forever. And Elvis is a typical rags to riches story. Rags to riches means that he had nothing and he worked really hard and he became successful. And all of this before he was 21 years old. We're going to talk all about his success, his downfall, his comeback, his death, and many other interesting facts. So he was very poor growing up in Tupelo, Mississippi. In fact, they lived in a house that didn't have electricity. It didn't have running water. It was like a hunting house, a shotgun house. And you can go and visit that now in Tupelo, Mississippi. It's not in Memphis. It's a little bit out of the way. It's about 175 kilometers away to be exact. So if you go to Memphis, Tennessee, which I highly recommend, because that's where Beale Street is and a lot of the places where Elvis and many other artists got their start. Some would say the birthplace of rock and roll. And since his family didn't have a lot of money, Elvis's father, Vernon, worked a series of odd jobs. Odd jobs are una forma de decir trabajos cualquiera. And then in 1938, his father was sentenced to three years in prison. And what do you think he did to get three years in prison? He forged a $4 check. Eso es, falsificó la firma en un talón de cuatro dólares. The good thing is, he only spent about a year behind bars and then he got out. But in 1948, the Presleys packed up their stuff and moved to Memphis. They were in search of better opportunities. They knew that it couldn't get worse. It could only get better. And this is where Elvis attended Hume's high school. And he even failed a music class. Isn't that funny? Elvis Presley failed a music class. Even though as a child, he played the guitar and danced and, and he was always singing around the house. I mean, from a young age, he loved music. It was running through his blood. He loved the music he heard in church, that gospel music. He loved the R&B, what they would call colored music back in the day, black music. And even though he was a huge fan of music and performing, he was still kind of a quiet kid.
kid, an outsider, right? An outsider is somebody who doesn't really belong, a misfit. Well, then in 1953, he graduated, which was huge in his family because he was the first person in his immediate family to earn a high school diploma. And after graduation, he worked at a machinist shop and drove a truck before launching his music career. So he knew that he wanted to be a musician, but he also knew that he needed money to get by. And everything changed when he met a man named Sam Phillips, the guy who ran Sun Records, or as it's called, Sun Studios these days. And if you go to Memphis and you don't go to Sun Studios, you are missing out. This is the birthplace of rock and roll. So he submitted his recording and nobody really paid much attention to it. But then a couple years later, he got a call back and they said, hey, we want you to come in and do another session. So he did. He went into Sun Studio. Now, this was a place that was already getting famous for producing Jerry Lee Lewis, Roy Orbison, Johnny Cash, and some of the biggest blues artists, Howlin' Wolf. Finally, somebody said, come on in. We're going to give you another chance to do a demo. Let's see how it sounds. And they were in the studio and nothing was really coming out. You know, everything was just okay. It was mediocre. Nothing that would turn heads. And the band decided to take a break. This was Elvis and two other people. And they decided to take a quick break. But since they loved playing music, during the break, they started playing a blues song called That's All Right. And they started playing it, but it was in a different tempo and it was just very different it didn't sound like a blues song and at that moment sam phillips poked his head out of the booth the control booth where the sound technicians are and said that's the sound that is the sound that's the sound i've been looking for and what was sam phillips looking for he was looking for a white artist that could sound black so he could sell this music to the masses because remember at that point in the united states especially in the south there was segregation it was not a good time for race relations so he said if i could find somebody who's i can i can sell as a white guy a clean cut guy who's got that soul in his voice who can dance well i'm gonna make millions and he was right he was right. Now, one of the funniest things is the first time he went into Sun Studio to do that initial recording, they asked him, they said, well, who do you sound like? And he goes, I don't sound like nobody. Now, that's a double negative. Said, yeah, I don't sound like anybody. But remember, Elvis was a rebel. Or was that all an image? Was he just a clean-cut boy from the South? Well, we'll find out as today's episode goes on. But if you haven't heard that song, it is amazing. You should listen to the original. It's Arthur Crudup, and the song is called That's All Right. And then listen to Elvis's version, 
and that's the first song he ever recorded. And when we went to Sun's studio, we stood on that spot. There's an X that marks that spot. And I held the microphone that Elvis used to record. That's all right, mama. That's all right with me. That's all right, mama. Any way you please. That's all right. And that was when they knew. He said, Sam Phillips said, this is my guy. But just like these big soccer teams, when they get a big, big star, eventually they have to sell that star. So it wasn't until 1955 where Sam Phillips sold Elvis's contract and he signed his first big contract. Now he sold him over to RCA and this was the obvious choice because Sun Studios was limited. They could only reach so many people and Sam Phillips truly believed that this guy could reach the masses and he was absolutely right. So In 1955, Elvis signed his first big record contract with RCA Records, and it was negotiated by his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, which we're going to talk about him in the bonus episode today. If you guys have seen the new Elvis movie, he's played by Tom Hanks. Let's talk about how much that cost. The price was $35,000. I know, that's nothing nowadays. But we're talking 1955, and there was an additional $5,000 signing bonus for Elvis. But as we'll find out later, Colonel Tom Parker might have taken him to superstardom, but he also took him for a ride. Le Timon. Well, he took 50% of everything Elvis made. Now, I don't know if you know what manager's fees are, but they're usually around 20%. And Elvis was a huge hit. They say that there's no such thing as overnight success. Well, Elvis is the closest thing to overnight success. His debut album, titled Elvis Presley, it was released in 1956, and it soared, to soar is another way to say to skyrocket, to the top spot on the music charts. And that was also the first rock and roll album to ever hit the number one spot. And it was unbeatable for 10 weeks straight. Oh, and let's talk about that. Did Elvis invent rock and roll? No! He was the first one that made it marketable. But there were a lot of other people. Chuck Berry. You also had Ike Turner, who were pioneers in rock and roll. And by the way, we have an episode on rock and roll if you'd like to give it a listen. I mean, it was incredible. Radio stations were playing his songs over and over. People just called in requesting his songs. At 20, he got his shot to be on TV. And when I say shot, it was a bust shot. You get it? The word shot is oportunidad, pero también es una toma de cámara. And yeah, they couldn't show his pelvis on TV. I don't know if you remember that, but whoo. And now, now they show basically anything on TV, but not back then. So at 20, he was on TV. At 21, he was the biggest 
star on the planet. And he knew it's now or never. Oh, sorry. I had to do that. <laughs> and as with everybody who makes it, con todo el mundo que tiene éxito, there were critics. Many critics panned Elvis. They said that he was horrible. I'll quote one of the critics. He said, he cannot sing and his whole performance is crude and disgusting. That's Dorothy Ricker of the Tampa Bay Times. Well, I'll tell you, Dorothy, you can give your opinion, but you were totally off. Another person says, in a comparatively short time, he will be forgotten. Well, you know what I have to say to these critics? Don't be cruel to a heart that's true. Oh, sorry. <laughs> hey, so many Elvis songs are perfect for the moment. And remember, we can learn how to pronounce the word cruel. No es cruel. In English, it's like the E is not in the word. Don't be cruel to a heart that's true. I don't want no other love. Baby, it's just you I'm thinking of. And then, at the height of his fame, when he couldn't get any more famous... was drafted to the army. That's right. He was drafted to the military and he spent two years in the military. A 23-year-old guy, the most famous guy on the planet, and he went into the army. He was in the 3rd Armored Division in Friedberg, West Germany. And even though he was a Jeep driver and, you know, he did other things there, he was partying like a rock star. He lived off the base with some friends from the, the Memphis Mafia, as they're called. His crew was called the Memphis Mafia. And this was also a really important time for him because A, well, he started experimenting with pills. And many know that that was probably what led to his demise. But this is also where he met a 14-year-old girl named Priscilla Bu now, I know I'm mispronouncing that, but you know who I'm talking about, his future wife. Now, he was 24 and she was 14. Yeah, Elvis, come on, man. So he waited. Supposedly, they did not have premarital sex. I don't know about that, but uh, 14 years old, man, I, she's underage. This is where you kind of look at Elvis and say, man, okay, you made some good decisions, but you made some others that weren't as good. Well, they finally got married in 1967 when she was of age, but that didn't last too long because the couple divorced in 1973. She ended up going out with her karate instructor. And we're going to talk a little bit about how karate was a huge huge thing in Elvis's life. So yeah, he suggested you gotta go check out this instructor. He's great. And she agreed. She said, oh, he is great. But I get it. She was sick of him. He was a womanizer. He was the most famous guy on the planet. 
and she was just his wife. And I guess that role can get very tiring. In March of 1960, Elvis was honorably discharged from active duty, and he made his first post-army movie, and this was called The G.I. Blues. You know, G.I. Joe. I think G.I. is General Infantry. Soldado Raso, possibly? G.I. Blues, which was ironic. I know a lot of people think of Elvis as a singer, right? As a dancer, as a guitar player, but he was also an actor. I'm going to ask you guys, how many movies do you think Elvis was in? Take a guess. 31 movies. Between the years 1956 and 1972, he was in 31 movies. And all of these movies had their soundtrack as well. So this was another way that Elvis kept making money hand over fist. And remember, as I said, it wasn't an accident. Colonel Tom Parker saw a cash cow. Una gallina con huevos de oro, I think you say. Now, another interesting thing about Elvis. No matter how much money he had and how globally famous he was, he never toured outside of North America. What? That's right. He never toured outside of North America. He gave a handful of concerts in Canada in 1957, but he never went to Europe or Asia on tour. And many people say that it was because his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, was an illegal alien, as they say. Alguien que no tenía papeles. And some would say that he was running from the law. So it's kind of a, a weird situation here because he made so much money because of Colonel Tom Parker, but he also lost so much money because of Colonel Tom Parker. And as the 60s went on, Elvis was losing a bit of popularity. Why? Well, you had all these other rock and roll acts coming up. You had the Beatles. You had the Rolling Stones. I mean, Bob Dylan. These guys were really rebels. They weren't nice southern boys who would go to the army if they were drafted. I mean, can you imagine Bob Dylan going to the army? No way. It's against everything his songs and his philosophy is about. So they decided it was time for a comeback special. Una remontada. A comeback special, which was on NBC in 1968. And, well, it worked. People saw the original Elvis, the bad boy of rock and roll, and he was back on the map. He also had one of the most successful concert residencies in history, playing an astounding 636 sold-out shows in Las Vegas. He appeared twice a night, seven days a week. And, well, some would say this led to his demise as well, being exhausted, being addicted to pills and painkillers. And, well, sadly, in 1977, June 26th, 1977, Elvis gave his last show. He was dead six weeks later. They found him on his toilet with 14 drugs in his system. That was August 16th, 
1977, and the cause of death is a heart attack. But it was just, I think, a snowball effect. It was the drugs, the overeating, the excess, the success. It was just a time bomb, a ticking time bomb. He had been hospitalized for exhaustion many times. But the thing is, some people say he didn't die that day. Some people say he faked his death. Well, we're going to find out more about that in the bonus episode. We'll also talk about his legacy because like him or hate him, he is one of the greatest selling solo artists ever. And as I said, he is an icon. Just his silhouette, the sideburns, sideburns son patillas, and the bell bottoms. He was an icon and will always be an icon. But we'll find out more about the dark side of this icon in the bonus episode. I sure hope you'll join us on this week's bonus episode of F. Why I...